We, I know we set a mid-April goal for getting. Go ahead again. Are you in? Yes. Good evening. You're good? I'm good. Perfect. Thank you. Zoom check. Zoom check. Um, before we actually call the meeting to order, a bit of housekeeping. Um, in terms of notice requirements, when specific to the petition this evening, the property has been posted. The adjoining property auditors have in fact been notified. The petition was published in the newspaper, specifically the pilot, and the petition was published um, and is published on the Route County website. Secondly, all documents that have been received prior to this evening, are made part of the record. Um, next. Normally, and, and is evidenced by this evening, this is a, an in-person meeting. However, we do have a Zoom feature and the purpose of the test earlier, we have one commissioner that uh, is participating this evening by Zoom and that was the test program that you all witnessed. Um, so for those of you that are attending, there should be a sign-up sheet. Perfect. It's gone around. Everybody's on it. That's good. For the, is Ren the only Zoom that you're seeing that you know? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then I can skip the next part. Um, the next thing I just appreciated if all cell phones were silenced or turned off um, during the evening. That's just kind of helps us get less confused than sometimes we already are. With that said, um, Sarah, if you would be so kind as to call the roll. Okay. Steve Warnke. Yes. Brian Kelly. Here's Sonic. No. 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 Never mind. Okay. Andrew Benjamin. Here. Linda Miller. Here. Bill Norris. Here. Ray Baker. Jim Crenshaw. Here. Ben Martin. Present. Paul Weiss. Here. And Pete Woods. Present. Welcome. Thank you, Sarah, for the record to be in a forum. Um, also, for the balance of the commissioners who aren't aware, we have a new commissioner. Pete Woods is joining us for the first time. Welcome, Pete. Um, thank you for your service and thank you for being here. We appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate being here. Well, you'll be <laughs> like that. You don't know for sure. Right, is young? <laughs> hey, did uh, Steve tell you about the traditional here, though? Every time you join, there's a round of drinks afterwards. Sounds good to me. <laughs> um, having said that, and with that, I'd like to call to order the um, April 6th meeting of the Route County Planning Commission. Um, I will tell you, if there's a little bit of confusion apparent for us, some of us are working with paper and tablets for the first time. So, a bit of indulgence would appreciate, be appreciated. Thank you. At least in my case, anyway. We'll help you here. I'm counting on it. 
Um, okay, at this point in the evening, I call for public comment. Now, public comment at this point in time is defined as any topic that is not on the agenda this evening. Anyone who wishes to address the commissioners on that basis, now would be the time to do so. Seeing and hearing none, we move to the next item on the agenda, approval of the minutes of March 2nd, 2023. Are there any additions, deletions, corrections? And if not, Chair will attend a motion. Second. Thank, thank you, Jim. Thank you, Bill. All those in favor, please signify by saying yes. 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 Opposed, say no. Minutes are approved. <clears throat> next item on the agenda is PL20220101. Um, for those of you that are here this evening and actually for the petitioner, uh, just a quick synopsis of the process. One, typically we ask the petitioner to provide comments or a brief narrative on the petition and what um, they, he, she are trying to accomplish. Uh, secondly, once that's concluded, we look to staff to provide their comments um, and narrative along with the exhibits they may or may not have. Next step is we'll entertain questions from the commissioners to either the petitioner or staff. After that portion is concluded, I'd like to open it up to the public for comments to be received from the public. Once that's been closed, um, Commissioners will deliberate, ask questions, have a round table, and come to some type of conclusion. So with that, um, as I mentioned, I'd like to we typically like to hear from the petitioner. My sense is the petitioner is here this evening. Am I catching you off guard? No, no, I'm good. Then it's you're up. <laughs> and if you could, please use the lectern. It just works a little bit better for everybody. Steve? Yes. I would like to know for the email we received, uh, there is an error on the agenda. This is actually a minor and not a major amendment. I thought I knew that, but I was going to have staff address that. Yeah, but, sure. Yeah, we kind of. We'll include it in our presentation. Perfect. Thank you. Yes, sir. Okay. Hello, everybody. I'm Ryan Crabb. I'm the senior ranger at Steve Lake State Park. Um, I did a, it's been a lot of work. On this amendment proposal, I guess. Um, so bear with me. I've never really done this kind of thing before, so I don't exactly know what you're looking for from me. Um, and I can explain what we're doing. We have a current PUD, and I want to make it a department would like to make an amendment to it. And it seems like the to explain what we're trying to do. Where the most confusion is, is the snowmobile operation um, or to move that. We currently have a snowmobile concessionaire who is based out of our marina parking lot. Um, we're trying to relocate him to somewhere that's a little bit more feasible for both him as a snowmobile operation, instead of being in the middle of the park, right next to our non-motorized area, and also free up some parking because as You've seen in Steamboat and everywhere else, outdoor recreation has gone crazy, and we've run out of parking space for our ice fishermen and our snowshoers and our skiers. 
and our tone builders that access for that in the park. What we would like to do is to move that operation, which is already in existence, um, as is, not make it any bigger. We want to move that operation across the street to the Quayley property, um, which would give him direct access to our connector, to the Quayley connector trail, and get him out on the forest sooner and get all of his folks away from the non motorized area on the park um, a lot sooner. The other part of that would be that it would, uh, it's, it, it, so he only operates from December ish, and then that Quayley Trail closes on April 15th. Uh, it's a temporary, this setup is temporary. He has a temporary building, and then um, he works out of some larger snowmobile trailer where he keeps his snowmobiles parked in one his office and his fitting room is a snowmobile trailer. So then he would move that out. We usually have him move out conditions based, but he's usually out. Um, well before Memorial Day weekend. Um, what he does now is, I don't know, Sally, do you have any pictures of that stuff? Or I have a sure. zip drive that would show a Google picture okay. of that area to show where. Yeah, we can pull that up. Or he has to go. And if it's easier, I've got this thing. It's got a picture if you want. We can pull it up. Yeah. Okay. So would a map of the entire park work or do you well sign the map with the uh the current snowmobile trail system on it so it gives everybody an idea of what he currently does. Um I just did it pulled it off in phonics or yeah. Uh yeah, why don't you why don't you give that to us and we can get out of there? Thanks. I think it's the Google, it's just Google it or something. <laughs> oh, that's pretty much it. Okay. Well, that's that version. That's the proposal. Um, the Google Earth one will show, not Google Earth. Can you pull it up? I can see. Oh, this. Because that doesn't show where the whole, just the whole trail system. There's just not a satellite that was working. Let's try it. Yeah, that direct of course that that okay. Oh ah yes. Go oh. to this part that top right. That's the zoomed in version. This is the fourth through this map of the um, groomed trail system. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. So, right now, he's over right here. Whoa. Sorry, I'm zooming <laughs> in one more time. There you go. Yeah. Yep. There we nice. Go. Yeah. Wow, that's good. Um, yeah. So, right now, he's right here. And so, this, this is the uh, multi-use groomer trail still this takes you to 42 but this is a snowmobile and and non-motorized use groomer track that takes you over and this is our Quayley easement trail so right now his tours do this they come around they go all the way around they come over here they go this is the Hunting village so they go right past the village then they cross the highway and go up what I what we're wanting to do is put them up there on the 
um, Quail Cabin, which is right underneath that state land board name right there. And so it's about 270 yards from there to cut straight along that contour to the Quayley Trail. And so we would put them there and that just gets him out of the village and out of this park area and, and away from our non-motorized area and gives him just straight direct access up into there. Um, so that was, I think there's a, what we were gonna do too, is I think on the one that Sally had a picture of, had kind of just my crappy crayon-ish <laughs> drawing. Um, that one with that whole trail running that contour out of there being right here. And so the trail, the groomer track comes in from where that ends and it kind of comes down through here. This would go straight up. What we're planning or proposing to do is we need to make this entrance wider because it's terribly tiny and make the graze better. There's already a culvert there, so we actually don't have to do any excavation work. The culvert is big enough to make this wider, harden this, and give him a spot right here. And what we're we're going to redo newer, bigger gates, which would be operational in the winter time to keep people out because it's only for the concessionaires. Use. We're not expanding parking for the public. Um, we're going to gate it and sign it so it's only for him and his customers. And then this trail is going to come up and where it ties in on the corner right there, there's private property right on the other side of that. Um, that will also be signed. And if we have to, it'll be heavily signed. But if we have to, we can string across like a rope with a, a breakaway on it in case somebody does decide to go ripping through it and they don't see it. But my idea was a lot of flattery, flattery and um, a rope on there that they can just swing across. I don't want to do any wire or anything like that with some breakaway on it in case somebody didn't hit the thing. But so that would be only access to there. We will not get and would and never intended to open up any of the Quayley for plane. So this would be the additional access on it. So he'll stay on this side of 129. If for some reason they needed to go to Sand Mountain, he would go out there to cross where everybody's already crossing the Quayley Trail by the visitor center. Um, but yeah, we're not, and we're parks and wildlife. So we don't want to impact any of our wildlife negatively. So that's why only he and his tours get to go in and out of there. Um, and I have this kind of as my area of disturbance, which is even a little bit smaller than the original PUD has our cabins approval in it. And that's kind of back up in here. This is a bit of a hill. Um, there'll be less ground disturbance if we keep it a little bit closer down in here by the cabin, um, just to flatten and harden it out a little bit, which will also help us for another part of my proposal is that uh, with this being the old cabin is to do a, make a little better parking spot right there. Right now it's just dirt and it's on a hill. We probably keep the, keep the little bit of the grade there for water shed but you know we need to we need some parking spots in there because eventually i'd like to apply for a grant because that thing is just a rat trap and it's falling down it's going to end up another winter like this it's just going to be a burn pile for the fire department so 
I'd like to start applying for a grant once we get all this done to have that fixed up, spruced up a little bit, and then I can use it for environmental programs. Not a lot of them, but we do programs for, we have some of the inner city kids come up from Denver and they stay at Pearl Lake. And then we and we do programs for them. And then school groups come up. We have Strawberry Park come up and Sleeping Giant and well, North Route lives there. The charter school lives there, but then it would be fun to have kind of an outdoor ed classroom for the summer, fall, spring times when they're when they're up there and those summer programs we have. Uh, so that's another part of that. So it all kind of ties in to our improvements right here for um, his parking area for the snowmobile vendor, our improvements in this parking area for use of an outdoor ed facility. And to keep that thing from falling apart, because if we don't have a use for it, there's no point in us putting any money into it to try to keep it from falling in. I've talked with our our biologists and our DWM, see if they had any concerns. And the reason I have this envelope being this side was if you know I figured an area of impact because if you're doing any grading or anything like that, throw out those little, you know what you call those little berm, those little netting things, straw models, those. <laughs> Thank you. Um, just to give me a little bit wider area of an impact, and I didn't figure it's too bad because there's an outhouse right there. So um, this would be where we're, our main part of work would be done: the road in, and then this part right in here, and then maybe down the road, if we are able to make the cabin thing work out. Um, a small toilet farther down the road, but those things are 60,000 bucks. So it takes a while, just like the cabins that are approved 28 years ago that still aren't there. I don't know, we haven't been wanting to create more work for ourselves just yet. We're still trying to just keep up with what we've got and better manage the people and keep them separated so that we're not having any conflicts. Uh, now I've spoke with the land board also with this, and they're they're on board with all of this proposal as well. I'm missing part of that proposal. You started to say DWM. The DWM. Oh yeah, they they looked it over and they didn't have any issues with our our nesting birds for the time that it will be happening or raptors. Um, we've already got some mobile access coming through here on November 15th. And this thing, he shuts down. He'll be working. Well, we give him the same timeline as we give the snowmobile trail. Um, he usually doesn't like going into past April, just choice, even though we would allow him to go further in. Due to the fact that snow is usually a little rough, tourism's gone down the, in town quite a bit. And then holes and creeks and stuff start opening up and it gets slushy. So he's he sees more accidents the later he pushes at end of the year. So just for himself, he just usually shuts it off right after the early part of April. Uh, but his buildings stay in there right now. They stay here on our paid parking until everything's melted out and he can move stuff out a little bit easier. But um, usually, I mean, we wouldn't. He wouldn't be in there after the if after the trail closes. We would have him out of there after the trail closes. And that biologist didn't have any problem with it for our distance from what we're staying in and, and our timeline. That was most of them. 
Okay. Uh, and you're going to be available for questions when we get that far. I will go hide in this corner over here. <laughs> oh, you can't hide. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Sally? Yeah. You ready? You're up. Thanks, Brian, for the introduction. Um, staff has reviewed that proposal, and we appreciate those details because I think there were some gaps in what we were able to interpret and what folks reading the report were able to interpret. So that helps fill in for sure. Um, as Ryan mentioned, we're here to review the Colorado Park and Wildlife application to amend the pool unit development. Um, by proposing a relocation of the snowmobile operation from Sebo Lake State Park to the Coyote Cabin Parcel. Um, staff has reviewed the proposal and gone back and forth with experts and other participants and has created some recommendations for the amended PUD. We'll go through that as well. And then the planning commissioners will make um, a recommendation to the planning commissioners after the hearing is complete. Um, Mr. Chairman, can I just request that, uh, that the speaker speak up a little bit? Oh, I apologize. Yeah, I'll speak up. Absolutely. So the discussion for tonight is going to include the jurisdictional relationship between the county and the state, how those permit processes are managed um, between those two entities. Um, we'll also go over the design and construction of the access staging site, which Ryan touched on. Um, and then the potential impacts imposed by the business relocation to neighboring landowners and wildlife habitat, which Brian also um, reviewed, um, as well as the proposal to increase the snowmobile speed limit um, from 25 miles per hour to a greater um, mile per hour there. So a little bit of the project history. Uh, this amendment was permitted, uh, or sorry, PUD was permitted um, on November 4th, 2004, um, and approved by the county, and which allowed the uh, Rocky Mountain Sled Rentals to utilize the groom trails on the Coyote Parcel for their winter snowmobiling operation. Um, and again, my friend said that goes from the access point off of 129 <laughs> parcel, then up north kind of east towards the Route National Forest border there. Um, the staging site and business operations for the sled company is currently staged on the um, southwest side of 129 there. Um, and the Queen Parcel is owned by the Colorado State Land Board and leased by Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is the applicant on behalf of the concessionaire that is hosted there. Um, so both parcels are currently zoned as outdoor recreation. Um, there was a zone change in 2004 that was approved um, to change the Quayley County parcel from Ag Forestry to Outdoor Rec, allowing the outdoor recreation uses there. 
Uh, so staff reviewed this proposal under the language provided in the original PUD, which was um, approved in 2004, that um, touches on the jurisdictional relationship between county zoning regulations and ability to enforce and um, the state. Um, essentially, the state is voluntarily entering into this permit process um, and the county is providing recommendations um, that they can consider, but we aren't technically enforcing um, or uh, disallowing any use through this process. So riding over parcel, um, it's approximately 170 acres uh, located east of County Road 129. Um, there are wetlands on the property. There's a um, significant amount of wildlife habitat. It's bordered by route National Forest in addition to private parcels with residences on them. Um, it's managed by Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and in the summer, it includes hiking. Um, is that correct, Ryan? There's a hiking trail that goes through the park to access the route National Forest? Not all the way through it. Not all the way through it. Okay. Um, that was my understanding because there's not a designated trail in the forest. Long walking road. Okay. Got it. For three people. So, no motorized use in the no. summer. Um, the motorized use is in the winter with the snowmobile operation and um, managed and restricted in numbers. and accessibility throughout the property. The um, snowmobiles are required to stay on and maintain through trail. Um, so there's a minimally used access road off of 129 um, that goes in proximity to the Quail Academy currently, um, as well as it looks like a little bit of additional infrastructure, a port potty or something like that on there. Um, and the current uses of the snowmobile operation and the ability to construct a certain amount of cabins um, per the 2004 permit application. Here's just a photograph of the entrance as it is currently from 129. Um, there's the gate, it, like Ryan mentioned, will be uh, modified to maintain and limit traffic going in and out of the Quayley parcel there. Um, but also will need to be expanded and reconstructed to. Um, in order to obtain that impact, um, that additional impact there. Um, here's just a photo of the temporary building and the infrastructure associated with the operation that will be relocated to that part of there. So some issues that were identified by staff to be addressed and discussed tonight. Um, the applicants requested that they um, are allowed to increase the speed um, greater than 25 miles per hour. Um, and there's been some concern based on public comment feedback that this could negatively impact neighboring properties and wildlife habitat. Uh, there's also some public comment feedback um, that there's some concerns with the visual impacts from County Road 129 as you're driving up there and uh, a scenic, the scenic meadow um, with the view of the forest in the background. Um, the applicant has suggested that they create snow burns to obstruct the view of the temporary building. Um, and there's concern as to whether or not this is sufficient for the uh, a sufficient barrier, visual barrier for the operation. And that's the overview 
of the project application, unless I missed something. Uh, yeah, I'm going to jump in and just add a few things. Um, Andy, to address your comment about the major versus minor amendments, uh, this application did meet the, the standards for an administrative amendment to the to the PUD, but staff knew that it was going to be a uh, a contentious application. So instead of making that decision at the, the staff level, at the administrative level, we decided to bump it up to planning commission, the board of county commissioners. So you guys that, decided internally. And, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. through our process chart, um, and under section three, two, one, we have the ability, or I have the ability as a planning director to bump up applications before the planning commission and the board of county commissioners. And being that um, this came through the process that way initially for the original PUD, the fact that this is a public entity and the site would be visible, we decided to bump that up. So it is in fact a minor amendment to PUD, but we are putting it through the public process. And I would like to point out that current conditions of approval restrict use of this property from April 15th to, to June 20th uh, in response to uh, the Sandhill Crane nesting area. I think so this is a perfect example of the system working the way that it's intended to work. So thank you. That was. I believe I um, touched on the comments that we received, but if I have not done so, I apologize and you'll have an opportunity to stand. Were you, were you done in? I'm not. Okay, yeah. Um, that's Alan. What did I say, Andy? You do that every. I have done every meeting. What we're going to do is we're going to change Thanks seats. So. You're going to sit over there and he's going to sit there and then I'll be good. <laughs> um, questions, commissioners? I had just, Alan, would you explain again the April 15th to June 20th? That's in the original PUD approval? Yeah, so that is on page 13 of the staff packet. It's uh, okay. 2C that says under no circumstances except for emergency shall any snow machines operate on winter multi-use trail between April 15th and June 20th, subject to change with CPW recommendations. And then 2S state that cabin users shall be educated regarding the Sandhill Crane nesting area and advised of the restricted use of the area between April 15th and June 20th. Right. Uh, there aren't any cabins. Okay. No. And I guess as to my question, that's been in existence since 2004. Correct. Okay. That was what I needed to understand. Thank you. And 2004 is when the Queeley parcel got incorporated into the PUD for Steamboat State yeah. Park. Uh, so, Andy, i <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> The building for the snow machines, how temporary is temporary? Um, just going to put this up and... It's, I mean, it's, our, it's our understanding they're going to remove it at the end of the winter operating season. So it's got a ground, a uh, dirt floor type thing? Is just, yeah. 
It's basically a, a metal top hat that's on four, and he just uses great big concrete blocks to put some four along each corner and that holds it down. Awesome. And no electrics, no, no. no gas, no heat, no. Well, he puts temporary stuff in there, like the buddy heaters and, you know, uh, solar lights, things. Maybe a little generator or something. Yeah. And there is power near the way that's a hole from at some point that we need to do. There's other power hole right there. So in the remodel, the cabin, so to speak, that could possibly get a little bit better. Yes. That way. Yeah, I'll put power in the cabin and rewatch. Peter, what uh, alternative locations or solutions were explored before this location was chosen? Well, we're pretty limited. Our, our PUD also says that we're not supposed to have them by the visitor center, which is that big parking area, right. which would be a terrible idea for our operations anyway, because that's that for our main street for the uh, non-motorized trips to take off from. Uh, other than that, we're out of we're pretty much out of good ground to put him on. And I kind of wrapped it all together because I want to improve the cabin and use the cabin, and I want to put him. They're also to get him away from the park and get him off in the national forest system. Um, there's other places in the park which would suggest snow removal. We could put them on the other side, but that it would lead, it would uh, the parking possibilities there would be tougher. I heard we had a area on the west side. It gets them close to the 42 access, which would be good for him if you wanted to go up that. Uh, rumor out on Forest Service Road 42 right away, but it doesn't it uh doesn't help me wrap things together with this this cabin uh, improvement as well. Trying to kind of do more than one thing at a time, I guess. Brennan. Good evening. Thank you. Uh clarification is the operator currently using Quayley Trail as it stands today, and then um, any additional information on the operations, how many snowmobile trips on a daily level, um, are they guided, are they unguided, and in addition, uh, their, their customer parking, would that also be on this site? A lot of short memories. Don't try to get all your remember all your questions. Um, he has he currently is using the Quayley Trail. He's driving all the way around the park and then crossing the highway where everybody else is coming from, Captain's Cove 62 or the outpost or the village that's not going down Main Street is accessing it. Um, he currently he runs about 19 snowmobiles. We say 30. So he has a little bit of room to expand, even though I don't think he's very interested in that. He's been running 19 snowmobiles for the last couple of years. He used to do unguided trips, but then that people started wrecking his stuff. And he's decided to, this year he went to strictly guided trips, um, which doesn't mean he wouldn't go back to maybe renting some unguided as well. And then, Yes, his customers, I think that was the last question, his customers would be driving that 
on that new on that new road out to his staging area um, by the cabin to meet him there. They would be the only ones allowed in there. The gate would be on there saying for um, Rocky Mountain Solar Rentals use only. So if they if it's open during the day or if they close it, people he would just have to educate them on the fact that they got to deal with the gate to get in and out of their department. Was that all your questions, Brent? Yes, thank you. Okay. Brian, before you walk away. <laughs> um, so that trail is open to the public from a snowmobile standpoint. For use standpoint. Yes, use. For skiers and snowshoers and dog walkers. Use it. But I mean, if I have my own snowmobile, I can use that trail. The Quayley Trail, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm sorry, the Quayley Trail. Yeah, the current Quayley Trail, yeah. People just come across it. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, and how long has the 25 mile an hour speed limit been in place? Since its inception. Does it get enforced? Uh, I don't enforce it because I can't go 25 miles an hour on it on my patrol sled or it will overheat. Okay. Even with scratchers out? Yeah, even with scratchers. I drive Polaris's, so they're not as forgiving as a skidoo. But uh, yeah, even, even with scratchers out, that thing gets beat down so hard because my goal, I figure I get to pick. Either I have people off trail, cooling things down at under 25 miles an hour, and we start just getting snowmobilers everywhere. You know, because once you see one track, the next guy wants to go one track farther out. So my focus, and that's what I've been writing tickets on, this year still, is people that are getting off the trail. If they get off the groomer track. So really what it is is that groomer goes across there and sets it up hardest concrete and then millions of sleds go across there and they set it up. You know, they don't tear it up. Or, uh, they don't break it up enough with that hard pack from the, from the groomer. So at under 25 miles an hour, you can't kick enough snow up to get the your intercoolers on your snowmobile to um, get enough coolant circulated and cool. Works off of an interchange, you know, like an interchange. Yeah, no, I understand. Smack. No, I, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I know what the kickers are too. Yeah. The scratchers. Yeah. Yeah. I, so there's been times I've taken uh, our our groups of students across there when I'm doing a snowmobile training or something, and we're all in the trees on the way, which is not even a half a mile in from the start, sitting there just piling snow on trying to get to cool off. Melt the down machine there this year during one training for people going there under 25 miles an hour. So that's why I want to get it up to keep them on the trail, but keep them preferring their equipment. So really, in the end, this is as much a request from the CPW as it is from the concessionaire. Oh, yeah. The, the, the concessionaire has nothing to do with the 25 mile an hour thing. You'd be tickled if I have that, but um, no, this is totally from our standpoint and request of our user groups. So do you put an upper limit on it though? What's that? So do you put a limit on it though at all? Or just don't do it? You know, people don't tend to go across it that fast. Um, in my experience, with these new machines, you can't, they're not built for speed anyway. You know, my old, I have an old machine and it's scary it's so fast because it just built on an old, you know, drive from bar to bar in Minnesota race chassis. <laughs> but these new ones are built for torque. And so I, 
on my 850s, I think I could squeeze 60 out of them on a good day, maybe. So people don't go across there that fast. They definitely go across it at 40. I've seen people going across it on every bit of 40 months. But it's not a drag strip, I guess. Usually people are doing pretty good with trying to mine their, trying to be as slow as they can without melting down their foot. Are trail sleds designed differently? Absolutely. And that is not our user group. We get a few. Most of those folks are from the village that are the hybrid skiers that have the, the more trail savvy sleds. These are North route is only at these trails are access to get to the backcountry so guys can get off and boot off. And that's what that place has become the center of the universe for. How many law enforcement interactions have you had, say, just this year versus an average year? Um, this year, not probably less this year than the average year. We get a lot of non-resident users and those guys are great. They come up and they read avalanche reports and they come in and they make sure they get their stickers. Um, they get all the registrations. I have more problems with people with local addresses than I have with sure. the bulk of our, of the tourists up there. Um, but I, and as far as law enforcement actions, I, they're not really too too heavy. You know, sometimes it's the most common is not having a registration for your snowmobile or a permit. Um, I did write um, somebody during the poker run for a shortcut in the Quayley the other um, and cutting through that stay on the trail section. Um, last year at the poker run, I had a a guy that was intoxicated and we dealt with him for that. Uh, but that's that is the worst one I've had in years up there with that intoxicated operator. The concessionaire, are they just doing tours on groomed trails? No. Okay. He does a lot. He'll take them out to, so those of you that are familiar with that are like Little Red Park, Big Red Park. You know, he, he likes to, he'll take them, depending on the group, sometimes he'll get a group of guys that can ride a little bit better, but for the most part, <clears throat> He just trail, take them up on the trail, they enjoy the scenery, and then they just do NASCAR turns in the meadow and then they work their way back. Um, some of them get up there and do a little bit more of the, he does have all powder sleds, lower CC powder sleds so they can handle the, the um, temperatures a little bit better. And he has some higher CC ones, but he does have, he does have some guys that are very good in backcountry in their backcountry skills and he does take some better. I didn't ask him what his mix would be, you know, compared to never ever is doing donuts in a flat meadow compared to guys that are wanting to go some boot dog. Sorry. In crow flight miles, the distance to Hansby Coach. Um, from, from where? We can do this on our Google Earth. From the, yeah. The yeah, close enough. Yeah, the, so the trail itself is a half mile long and straight. So I would bet that it's about that to the village. Half mile to the village, to the north end of the village. Half mile or maybe a little bit less. It's about a mile. 
It's about no, no, it's no, it's a half a mile from the village up to the, the park uh, visitors there. Oh, there's good. So, very good. It's a little closer than a half, a little less than a half mile. The computer said <laughs> 0.95. Google is like, Google's like totally so much for that concept. That's not as Um. And then I noticed Sorry, a lot of, of, of correspondence from, um, oh shoot, what's the name of the five lots? Yeah. Lucky. 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 Thank you. Are, are, are there residences on any of those lots? There are actually <laughs> one, well, Two. one just being built right now. It'll be finished this summer. Okay. Cool barn contained. That's, that's our student. Very cool. And how, what do you think the distance is from, would you say a barn that I hear? There, at your place? Yeah. Well, you're not 150 yards from where the trail goes up, right? They're the next driveway down from where the trail crosses 129. So that'd be to the north? South. Yeah. Yeah, their driveway to the south. Of south, that. okay. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have a question for Sally. Where my where this line stops right here, and you can see kind of a road. It was a road cut to get that in there. Just barely up that. Um, I mean, as far out of the picture, it is you'll Aspens, and that's National Forest Cover. So our Quayle has been three quarters of a mile long. Fish. National Forest boundary. So um, this is the National Forest Boundary. Yeah, so here's the Quayley Cabin and the National Forest Boundary actually dips in. Yeah. Is this on Amish? Is that some, right? No, it's on the GIS, which is great because we can pull it up on our little machines. That, that the sign for it is, so that's a cabin. As you go in right here where there's private property is, oh yeah, okay, you're right, I'm looking at it all right up there. In the in the trees, as soon as you get off that exposed hillside that you can see from the highway from the there's a national forest. So that's the part where to get to there is what I'm talking about. There's another. Andy, you had a question? Yeah. Um, for staff, has there been any increase in enforcement or complaints up there? Like this, some of the newer members. And even who have been here for a long time might not remember the challenges of the past with some of the operations that have occurred up there. I remember them quite well in the discussions that we've had. Has enforcement been an issue? Have these things been running smoother from the county's standpoint than they were in the past? We haven't received any official complaints. Um, you know, this is the first anybody that has submitted a letter in conjunction with this application would be the first time we're sure. hearing of it. Sure. The and the the PUD process is not an overlay process that actually changes the zoning 
from Ag Forestry to PUD. Um, and the consideration in front of us tonight is for a recommendation of for or against, and this will go to the board for final approval. Correct. The PUD is is essentially another zoning. The yeah, yeah. Correct. It's site specific, um, and this is a recommendation by planning commission to the board of county commissioners. Right. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that was clear right. in our discussions. The the PUDs are very rare in this valley and almost as rare as commercial rezoned property in the in route county and i want to say there is a commercially zoned property i thought it was somewhere near this center all of this stuff and you could turn zoning on okay thank you commissioners any other questions uh, for that or the petitioner i would like to point out that this uh so this parcel was approved for a zone change from agricultural board three to outdoor recreation in 2004. And something happened, the zone change resolution never got reported. And so the zone change was approved, but the resolution that finalized it was never recorded. So as part of, if this gets a, well, if it, if this gets approved or not, we're going to rectify that by recording that resolution right. and having it reflected accurately on the GIS. On okay. The oh, I see what your point is. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, at this point in time, I'd like to turn it, open it up to the public for comments. Um, we've had some letters come in, and I'll start by saying, we're not really much in favor of having someone read us the letter that we've already gotten. So if that was a concept, try to avoid that. We are interested in hearing, you know, concise and good comments. Um, but again, to have someone stand and read a two-page letter to us, that's already part of the record. We've already read that. So with that, first person up, have at it. And you need to introduce yourself, please. Okay. Can you hear me? A little bit louder would be nice. But uh, that's not functional. <laughs> Sorry. What you could do, if you'd like, you could move that a little bit farther this way. I think okay. it just rolls. I'll try to talk okay. about it. Okay. You have the machine right there. That's what's picking up your voice. Um, Pete, if you can point to it, please. Oh, Thank you. Okay. That's called the owl. Let's <laughs> see why. There you go. <laughs> um, my name is Sherla Stocks, and I lived in Ronspeak Village for 32 years, and I also own Lot 1 at Lucky Camp. Um, I was very involved in the negotiations for establishing the Playway Trail. Um, building more facilities for snowmobiling operations and increasing usage has been opposed for years by the North Route community. Several times we have been before the Planning Commission and County Commissioners to object to various new proposed snowmobile operations and to complain about the impacts on our lives. A commercial snowmobile operation is not a compatible business in a residential community. 
and it will undoubtedly create conflict. It has for many years. 20 years ago, after years of conflict and after finding about the proposed poverty bar trail, which was basically a piece of property, narrow piece of property that borders the whole length of Pons Peak on the west side. <clears throat> it was sold to the state park by Doug Button, who was the developer of Lucky Camp. And Doug sold this to the state park with a deed restriction that it had to be used as a snowmobile trail. This trail would have gone 100 feet from my living room. Nobody wanted this. And um, so we formed a group to find a special forest access for the snowmobiles in North Route. This group, we brought everybody to it. This group included not only the North Route community, but the Colorado State Parks, Route County, state senators, the BLM, the Department of Wildlife, the U.S. Forest Service, the State Land Board, the Hans Peak Historic Society, the Homeowners Association, and various recreational groups, to name a few. I'm sure I left some out. The solution we came to was a climate. We made sure everyone was represented and had input. And a lot of people worked really hard for three years to accomplish this. During the following years, the recreation and travel management plans for North Route were developed and adopted. Agreements for motorized, non-motorized areas were made. In later years, parking and usage areas were established. Motorized use parking lot and toilets were created at Forest Service Road 550. This was all accomplished because of a coordinated effort by many groups, governmental agencies, and the community. Snowmobiles are supposed to park at the marina and access trailing trail to ride up into the forest. They are to stay on the groom trail into the forest, not ride in the neighboring residential areas like the town of Ponds Peak, and run at 25 miles per hour until they reach the forest. Um, this proposed amendment to the PUD does not live up to that agreement. All of us who live, work, and recreate in North Route have worked together for so many years to try to get mitigate the issues and reach solutions that are agreeable to all of us. Very few of us were aware that this was coming on the agenda without any local knowledge or discussion. There is really no reason why the snowmobile concessionaire should be moved across Highway 129, where they would create negative impacts on so many different levels, all of which would impact the quality of life for the residents, 
wildlife, and visitors to the area. There's a big difference between a trail and a large commercial operation right on the highway that scars the land and creates conflict in the community. The proposed location is a primary viewport, wildlife habitat, sandhill crane nesting. We have moose, deer, fox, coyotes, ducks, geese, beaver, all kinds of wildlife. It's a wetlands and riparian area. It's a beautiful view corridor for Hans Peak and visitors who all come up and take a photo line right there at the Purdue Park. Moving the snowmobile concession to this location would negatively impact all of these. It would be a shame to expedite a parking lot, construct buildings, and in general, room forever a pristine area in North Round. This proposed location on the highway would also attract more snowmobiles and create more traffic, which would increase dramatically the riding in and around residential areas. We should not be harassed or be unable to find quiet solitude in our homes. In looking at Google Earth, there is ample room at the marina for this operation. That parking lot is much larger than the proposed one, and there are already facilities in place. Why create another staging area when you already have everything you need at the marina, especially if it scars the land and negatively impacts the community and changes the atmosphere of the whole area? The marina is buffered from the residential areas by location and is already a recreational use area. In the minutes of the November 4, 2004 Planning Commission meeting, Park Supervisor Ken Brink stated that Quayley property would, quote, protect valuable open space and wildlife habitat, create a buffer between the Steamboat Lake State Park and the surrounding private properties, and preserve the view shed across the meadow to Hans Peak. This proposal would diminish all the open space and wildlife habitat, damage the buffer for surrounding private properties, and destroy the view shed upon peak by inserting a graded parking lot, which would be visible all year long, a large metal building, trailers, and parking for probably many more vehicles in there and just fading. The noise of operating in that location would also increase from a few machines at a time to many machines warming up and running through the area. That noise would travel up the hills to Lucky Camp Subdivision and to Hans Peak Village. I used to live at the front of the village when SLO was running out of the front of the village. They would start warming up their machines seven in the morning, smoke everywhere, they would take their tours out and back and out and back and out and back. 
And then after they were done with that, they'd have to do their maintenance projects. And so they'd be revving the engines and, and riding around and they drank beer while they were doing it. And they would go right out on the historic society's green bell, Lupin and all of them till midnight. Can you it's not move it along just a bit, please? Okay. Thank you. All right. I um I also see problems with enforcement of the violations. We were told years ago that the sheriff could not answer all of our calls. Would the state park be responsible for enforcement and do they have staff to cover all of this? A precedent was set back in 2003, 2004 for the state park to work with the county and the community to find a solution that everybody could live This proposal is not in the spirit of the original agreements on the Quail Trail, nor is it in the best interest of our community. If this operation no longer works for the State Park Marina location, perhaps the operation could be moved to a new parking lot at 550 or another similar location that does not impact the community and the area. I ask that you deny this proposed change to the PUD. Table any action until other solutions can be looked at that would satisfy all of the parties concerned. Community involvement is critical to this process. We all love to about and its beauty. Everyone who visits loves it. That is the one reason why Steamboat Lake State Park is called the crown jewel in the Colorado State Park system. Let's do what's right to maintain that beauty and the quality of life for the community. Thank, Thank you, you ma'am. Next, please. <laughs> My voice is not that loud. Can you hear me? My name is Leslie Lovejoy. I represent uh, North Route residents and the friends of the Route Backcountry. I've lived in North Route since 2000 and uh, have been working on travel management issues up there for the last 20 years and also on um, our national forest here with the separation of use on Rabbit Ears Path. <clears throat> Hans Peak was the last part of our equation. We've worked on that as a community for 20 years and uh, have created a non-motorized use area on Hans Peak. This trail, uh, the Clayley Trail, travels up and right the groom trail travels right through this non-motorized use area on school. In the last two years, uh, since we were able to get the county to plow to the new parking lot that was created, the Elkhorn parking of uh, Forest Service Road 550, um, we have seen um, much less problems with snowmobiles coming onto our area. Yeah, I'm only giving you this short history because all of this was done with community involvement, with skiers, snowmobilers, um, 
residents all working together to try to find solutions together. And um, I only heard about this proposal last week, and, and many people in this audience only heard about it, including Shirley, who is a adjacent landowner. We were really rather shocked that we were not given more advanced notice so that we could get together as a community and discuss this and maybe provide some alternate solutions or, um, you know, ask questions more. Um, it's a little short notice. Um, I, I, in my letter, asked for at least an eight-week stay so that the community could get together and and come up with some solutions and, and um, to their concern. I'm also concerned uh, that the snowmobile operation in question, I have been down there at the marina to check out his operation, and I haven't seen him um, educating users about the non-motorized use area. Are you aware of that, Martin? We don't do back and forth questions. Okay. You're okay. commenting or keep okay. it to the comments, please. And then another thing I wanted to address. Okay, so I would like, if, if it does happen, I would like to see more signage and um, that part of the agreement. Um, and then somebody said, what, is, what has been the impact of snowmobile use in the village? Has anybody reported that? Has anybody reported we call all the time, and there are problems with snowmobiles going right through the village. You know, it's been increasing problems, and the sheriff's office won't respond. And they say, "Well, you know, we can't do anything. We can't get there in time." That's the usual response. Um, so. Um, make it short and sweet. I just think we need a little bit more time as a community, user, all different user groups, residents to um, look at this and the impact it will have on our our community as a well. whole. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next, please. Uh, good evening. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. My name is Barbara Hughes. I'm the co-founder of the Colorado Crane Conservation Coalition and a current director. And we just learned about this proposal a few days ago from North Route residents. Um, and I hope that I, I did submit a letter just yesterday. I hope you had an opportunity to review that. Uh, but just for for the record. I wanted to give a little background on why we're concerned about this proposal. Um, the Quilly Parcel contains a wetland meadow, as you've seen in the picture. And this is prime nesting and chick rearing habitat for sandhill cranes. And during normal years, this is not a normal year, obviously, with all the snow we have, but in normal years, cranes return to North Route in March and April. And they begin nesting in mid to late April. The dates that I read in the proposal said that grooming would cease by May 1st and equipment and building removal would occur by May 31st, which is way too late. The cranes are already nesting. 
and cranes are a tier one species of concern for the state of Colorado. So this is prime habitat for them that could be really impacted by having buildings on this property. No one feels the cranes aren't there in the winter. So the crane coalition is not concerned about that. Other residents certainly are, but we're concerned about summer use of the property and the fact that they want to remodel this cabin, have a year-round parking lot, have traffic, humans and vehicles onto this little access road, which is within 300 or so feet of crane nesting habitat. You know, the county keeps growing, the city keeps growing, there are more and more people everywhere. Somebody has to speak up for the wildlife and try to protect some of the open space that we still have. And we think education programs could easily be held at the visitor center or the amphitheater that's near the campgrounds. Most of the people going to the programs would be campers. There are places within the park currently that they could easily have the education programs without impacting the open space of this meadow. So in, in closing, I think if you approve the snowmobile usage, if you could at least change the end date to move it up to the beginning of April to get all that equipment, all that disturbance off of the property, that would help protect the cranes. Again, they're a tier one species of special concern in the state of Colorado. We don't need more human disturbance. Thank you. Thank you. Next, please. Oh, sorry. Thank you. I'm sorry. I've lived in the village for over 30 years, built our house up there, and we've been involved uh, periodically every time we get assaulted by major commercial snowmobile activity. And uh, it's been a long battle, but uh, we've been able to keep it at somewhat of a reasonable level. Um, first of all, you know, somebody asked about it. Paul and said, if you go down your driveway, you can't turn either left or right because there's big long pickups with 30 foot trailers down there, one parked on the, you know, parked on each side of the road. I was getting ready to go to that, so I just figured, well, you know, if the house catches on fire, we die. Um, emergency vehicles can't get in and out in that situation. Two weeks before that, uh, Cottonwood Road was blocked in the same manner. And uh, I called the sheriff's office because they're blocking it for the whole village, you know, or anybody that comes down that way. And any emergency vehicle would ask to come. Now, this has nothing to do with that PUD, but it does because all this becomes centered around the same area. It's close proximity to the village and it brings in more. It's what brings what it brings. The response I got was I talked to a real nice officer and uh, he said, well, the problem is we don't really have any real ordinances on parking in the county. And we're working on that. 
So, you know, there again, uh, how long, how many people are you know, going to have a problem with emergency vehicles, that type of thing? We don't have any signage, we don't have any enforcement. And, and uh, of course, you haven't had any problems. People quit calling after the third or fourth time, you know? And uh, I guess my last comment, I, I've listened to the eloquent comments here, and, and they've, they've covered most of the topics that I would. And uh, I've done a good job of it. Um, when, the, when that trail was proposed, as I remember, it's been a while, 2004, you know, um, it, it was kind of presented in a PUD as sort of a buffer of some sort. Uh, I remember that, you know, something to do with that. It, it, and snowmobiles could go up there, they got approved for that. But to have a commercial operation right there, I think is absurd for all the reasons that everybody has mentioned. And uh, I was looking at PUD, uh, you know, these are basically court cases and, and, and uh, decisions that have been made by the courts and, and uh, planned unit developments cannot be used as a vehicle to reduce zoning standards. Rather than the rather the development must be compatible with the existing zones from which it is covered. Uh, zone changes cannot be granted merely to relieve a particular property owner from the restrictions of zoning, but must be consistent with the public interest. That must be consistent with the public interest. We're the public over there, you know, and everybody that enjoys that area. There. And to cater to one concessionaire, I think is uh, that's another absurdity. And along with the fact that you know, saying that uh, well, they got these new machines out and they they got to go fifty, they can't go twenty five. You know, that to me is ridiculous. Now the new cars that are coming out, if they if they have to go fifty, are you going to take down all the speed signs through steamboat? And, and uh, th those are just some thoughts, and we haven't had very long to think about it. So uh, I think this should be tabled and we will come up with some more good facts for you. Thank you, sir. Next, please. Good evening. My name is Bryce Hitchman. I'm with the law firm of Sharp, Sherman, and Angle. My office represents Ty Lockhart, the owner of Lot 5 and the London Camp subdivision, just east of the Whaley parcel. We recently submitted a letter on Mr. Lockhart's behalf and to voice our concerns about the application. I assume the planning commission has reviewed it and we will not reiterate those points. Um, further, Mr. Lockhart echoes the concerns of his neighbors that were so articulately advanced this evening. Um, but for anyway, for purposes of this hearing, it's important to go back in time briefly, revisit the 2004 approval when the Whaley parcel was brought into the part of PUD. As Ms. Stocks explained, it was only controversial at the time. I think that should be lost on the condition of the thing. Every residence came out in fierce opposition to having a commercial snowmobile operation in their own backyard. In response, common sense rules were imposed. Mitigate these issues and respond to these residents' concerns. This included establishing a speed limit defined at 25 miles an hour, requiring users to stay on the groom trail at all times. 
Today, many of these reasonable and carefully crafted conditions of approval are now proposed to be either watered down or removed altogether, which is just simply not appropriate to the local The application now represents a significant expansion and departure from the current limited use of the Quayley parcel, which currently is akin to the use of an accent for ingress and ingress. It's a far cry from the proposal to headquarter a commercial operation for snuggle deal use right on the edge of private lot owners' land. Meanwhile, Mr. Lockhart's lot line is just a football field away from the access point that's used to access the natural forest. Moving the speed limit here, as is proposed, will foreseeably encourage reckless speeds along a trail that's actually open uh, to all members of the public, including motorized and non-motorized users. It's a bona fide public safety issue in addition to the pervasive noise that's generated from these activities on a daily basis. We also have concerns about snowmobile maintenance and refueling occurring on site, as the applicant intends to do. Wetlands are located throughout the property, as other people have noted this evening. If maintenance and refueling is to occur on site, it is foreseeable that hazardous materials could leach into the wetlands, damaging a fragile and extremely important ecosystem. Also, to the point of wetlands, the Army Corps of Engineers has requested the applicant prepare a certain report. This report is known as a delineation of aquatic resources, and the purpose is to assess the potential impacts of the wetlands. Uh, in the event of impacts, there may be alternatives proposed to consider. Here it does not appear based on the material that we've reviewed that this report was ever prepared, despite a request by a federal agency having jurisdiction over U.S. waters. So, for these reasons, Mr. Lockhart respectfully requests. The, uh, the proposal be tabled for an additional eight weeks as other people have requested this evening. If you do approve, then we have certain requests as well that we hope you'll consider. One, we would like to see a defined date to remove the steel structure. As of now, it seems unknown as exactly when that would occur and where it would be located. Two, we would like to see a limit on daily trips and particularly a limit such that they would be guided only and not guided. Uh, third, we would like to keep the speed limit in place because it's a very common sense application to promote public safety. Um, lastly, we have a couple of questions that we'd like to introduce into the public record because we just don't have an answer to them at this time. Uh, number one, we'd like to know who the permittee is for the operation. So, who is the permit issued to? Is it CPW or the concessionaire? It's not entirely clear on that at this time. Two, if CPW's use with the state land board is to expire, I've heard that it might be the end of next year. What happens to the permit and who is the permit applicant? Uh, we appreciate your time. Thank you for hearing our concerns. Thank you. Thank you. Next, sir, uh, ma'am. Somebody. Good evening. Uh, my name is Victor Washburn, and I'm the resident of Monson Village. Is there a picture that we could show uh, that has the marina? <clears throat> Well, I can zoom into it. Uh, as, as everyone has spoken before, um, I was only made aware of this in the last week or so, so I have, I think, more questions and comments to, uh, for this. They're not rhetorical questions so much as they're questions I think we all need to consider. Um, my understanding of the proposal is they're looking for a 30 by 80 parking area because the existing parking area is too small to accommodate their current use. I don't see anywhere in the uh, in the proposal a 
plan one year, five years, 10 years out for what acceptable use is. Right now we've been told 30 snowmobiles, the senior I heard 19 snowmobiles, never more, never less. A million snowmobiles going across the trail because that's what packs it down. So we need to go faster to keep our snowmobiles. It's really kind of a moving target what we're dealing with here. Uh, again, if you look at the size of that parking lot compared to what we're saying is a 30 by 80 parking lot, it really it kind of makes you wonder what are we really building over there? Could we go back to the picture that we had of the entrance to this spot? <coughs> the uh, proposed PUD amendment. And looking through the PUD amendment and looking at the staff comments, uh, so often what I see is, you know, uh, it's the same, the uh, staff comments I haven't sorted outside would be the same as it was. Uh, and yet one of the staff comments is, the applicant is not applying for a new use and the existing use has been determined to be in compliance with the master plan. This is an amendment to an existing PUD that relocates a portion of the existing use. The potential impacts of the relocation of the operations on neighboring parcels are not fully understandable as a clear operating plan has not been submitted. However, the applicant has not indicated that the number of individuals using snow utilizing snowmobiles for recreation will increase, nor has the applicant indicated that additional trails will be implemented or increase access throughout the parcel. In tonight's conversation, we've added the trail to go to the new parking lot building temporary area. So obviously, whether the applicant indicates that or not, it's happening. You're going to add, we're going to be adding trails. So for the staff comment, we should be aware of that. Uh, a question I have is who is the applicant? Who is the concessionaire? Who has the right to be a concessionaire with the state park? How do we exclude the public from using this portion of the state park when we have concessionaire? What, what is the advantage that the concessionaire gets? And what does he pay for that advantage? And how do I become a concessionaire so that I too can take my two dozen snowmobiles out there and, and earn a living? Who is the state park responsible for supplying parking to snowmobilers? in North Brown, when we have spent, as these folks uh, spoke to, a lot of time and energy creating more appropriate parking spaces that allow them to run their machines at the speed they desire in the National Forest, where they desire to be without using the Quayley Trail, without stopping Steamboat Lake Park. This is what we're developing, and is this something that we'll all be proud of in the end? that will have a nice parking lot back there and a steel building that'll come and go as they please. Uh, some mention for mitigation was 400 inches of snow and six foot in one section and eight foot snow burns in the other. Having worked snow most of my life, a six foot or eight foot snow burn is a disturbance of the area. It depends on how good your operator is, how much damage he does underneath it. 400 inches is not a guarantee from the good Lord. Sometimes we get 400 inches and sometimes we don't. But once we put a parking lot in there, we'll always have a parking lot. I would ask that I understand that every you can't really read read the letters that have been sent to you, but we're at a disadvantage because we don't know the thoughts of others. So you've got these letters, you've got other people's opinions, insights on these things. We don't have that, and I think that in a 
in a development of this magnitude, some transparency is a responsibility of a working democracy and a working community. Thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, next, please. I'm going to keep this short. Um, I own Log One. Like Excuse me. We don't know who. Oh, I'm sorry. Mitch Galicia. And uh, I came to Steamboat back in '86. I was a high school art teacher. Um, retired in 2005. All in the Wild Horse Gallery. Jordan and I were both artists. And uh, we're building our dream studio. And we were, we have a house in the village that sits right on the uh, west side and uh, property on the other side of the Margaret Bar Trail came up for sale and we bought it. And uh, we decided that uh, let's go ahead and build our studio. And that's the building that you see there as being built. We decided to build a gamble roof barn so that we would fit in and not be an eyesore, not be uh, just banshee. And I don't know, maybe some people don't like it, but it is, uh, we are allowed to build there. We can own a lot of this, uh, you know, residential area, but we felt like, let's build something. Yes. And we bought it, also understanding the parking property because Shirley was the one really responsible for finding the trail. Because she happened to uh, be in 4-H with the daughter of the Clayton. Back in those days, back in that day, 2001, 2002, 2003, the county said, hey, it's the community's responsibility to find the trail. It's not ours. So we found the trail. Surely got all of and other people got all everybody together and they had you know they got together and they found figured out okay this works for everyone. The Colorado State Snowmobile Association was part of that. Okay, so I mean everybody's part of it. So anyhow, my my fear is this that is pristine area, it's also a very pristine snow snow power. And you got an operation at one end. And then you got the Quayley Trail that comes in from the other end. And I guarantee, I, I just know it's going to look like Steamboat Lake when it's done. It's going to be all dried up. There's no, there's nobody there to enforce, enforce anything. And they do, they ride 40, 50 miles an hour on that trail. Because it's right next to us. We knew it would be impacted, but they're, I mean, they're, but generally, you know, it's it's there's nobody there to enforce it. So anyhow, um, I'm hoping that uh, I'd like you to vote no on this. Um, I'd like to see no tonight. Um, you know, because it's causing stress. When I found out about this, I didn't sleep for for three nights just because here I'm spending here our dream and other people who also have. Dreams of developing those properties. I know my next door neighbor's getting ready. He wants to build a house. He's been spending, he's spent a fortune getting this point ready. We've gone in and taken out all the beetles here uh, because nobody else is going to do it. We spent thousands and thousands of dollars to get this ready. And now we're going to have a snowmobile operation where he's the one making the money. And, you know, it ruined, it's ruining it for us. So 
I'd like to say no on this. And if that can't happen, I want a two month delay and I want C5. Five fifty being used because that's what it that's what happened. We ended up pushing everything up there because that's where everybody wants to go. Let's just put them up there. They can drive up there and not and not be financially. Okay. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? I'm sorry, Robert. Just a couple of clarifications. I, I am an owner. I did not repeat, did not ever receive notice of these needs. That is a right. Just having to go into the details. There's another joint property here, and also, and they did not get notice. So I would maybe suggest that this meeting is not proper. Uh, uh, the wetlands. If you read the, the letter from the Army, Army Corps of Engineers, it says if, 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 and you think it's necessary. Or, I mean, they didn't say yes because they didn't know the facts. The staff says, well, they're only within 350 feet. But then if you read the, the what they say about the entrance going in, they say, well, it's, it's wider there and, and it's wetlands there, but, but we're not going to disturb it. What? Developed properties that have wetlands, and the Army Corps does not deal with those kinds of definitions. It's either in wetlands or not. It's not maybe kind of a little bit. I know absolutely nothing about snowmobiles. I can't see the concessionaire renting a snowmobile and making the guy go 75 miles an hour up a trail that's 12 feet wide with aspen trees. If you put a beginner on, what he's going to do is turn right and you're going to go right, right towards Lucky Camp, but that great thing about and they're going to be going 100 miles an hour all day long back there until the, the rookie gets, gets learned, or if not a rookie, he's going to earn 20 miles an hour because he wants to make sure his machine's running right. So you talk about enforcement, it's going to be a just did a bunch of rallies out there. It's just going to be snowmobiles just run all over. Uh, people have suggested going up to 520. Uh, that's the road that goes half a mile past Paul Night on the right. There's a big parking lot there. And a lot of the snowmobiles go up to the red, you know, the, the red parks. Why not just park them up there? Make that parking lot fine, you know, on the speak area. And they're focused where they want to go. It seems that just moves them further away. Uh, it's, it's, and the, the application, in my opinion, is really uh, I mean, struggling with your user. It's half assed. Okay, you can pose it to the parking lot. It's going to be next to the building. It's going to be 30 by 80 feet. And in any of figure that out, that's going to be six to eight parking They say they're going to have six more traffic or snowmobile traffic. So we have six day parking spaces. We're going to have six of those with trailers. That doesn't count staff, mechanics, and any visitors. So somebody's pulling somebody's leg here. I, I can't see proving uh, a plan that we, we have a scheme. We don't know how big the parking lot's going to be and all this kind of stuff. 
Um, I guess you go back to the, the slide of the, the entrance of the property, please. Ever since I was a kid, I remember when we passed this entrance. So this, if, if you're here and you look this way, you see Hans Peak right there. All of this is, is made open now. Okay. Do we really want this? The gentleman here pointed out. Do we really want? I'm lost. Do, do we really want a metal pack, a, a kind of nice five million dollar house there? We're gonna have a shack over the just a shack to for snowmobiles and parking. This is a as they point out, this is a beautiful vista here. And the two this is just uh, reasonable. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> Anyone else, please? Uh, my name is Marnie Stimson. My wife and I are uh, residents of Ponspe, and uh, everybody's pretty much said everything that, that was on my mind to say, so I'm not going to regurgitate any of that. Uh, I did have one question, though, and the question would be uh, down the road with you guys granting this permit application. Does that open the door and set a precedent for a summer razor operation to go out of there, you know, after this is done? You know, and that's something. You know, hopefully not, but uh, you know, it's something to consider too. So uh, that's all I got. Thank, Thank you, sir. Anyone else, please? Uh, seeing none, I'm going to close the public comment portion of this evening. How good are your notes, staff? <laughs> uh, pretty good. Good. Um, I, I do have some comments. We want to respond. Yeah, because I've, I've got a list of some of the responses really need to come from um, yeah. Brian, some yeah. come from us. So I have a bit of a checklist, but I know it's not total. But you start. Okay. And if you miss one, I'll let you know. Yeah, I'll put it over to Alan first. Okay. All right. So I would like to note that as uh, Commissioner Warnke mentioned at the very beginning, all of our notice requirements were followed. Uh, the sign was posted nearly two months ago, and all of the adjacent property owners that ordered this Quayley parcel received notices. Uh, we received comments from some of those folks that received those notices. Um, change, change is hard, and we understand that, especially when assurances have been made in the past. However, the only constant in this world is change. The state park has the ability to ask to change their operation based on changing needs. The state park has requested this change and it is being reviewed under the proper process to be able to do that. This is not a new use. It will not add any additional uses. It is only a movement of the base of operations. As uh, the applicant stated, to access the national forest, they use this trail no matter what. So um, there does not appear that there will be an increase in the number of snowmobiles that will be using uh, this parcel. 
Some of these comments that were mentioned tonight seem to be mixing the private use of snowmobiles with this particular operation. Uh, the county and this PUD only addresses this concessionaire at this state park. It does not address snowmobile use of Monsey Village. It does not address parking of vehicles on 129. It does not address any of that. So planning commission members, I would like y'all to separate out those issues that were brought up from the issues that are being generated by this use. Uh, the applicant has requested the removal of the 25 mile an hour speed limit. Staff does not agree with that because of the impacts that would be created to those neighboring parcels. And staff is recommending that that current restriction remain. Uh, there was a comment about wetlands. Wetland delineation is only required if wetlands are to be impacted, if they're to be dredged or filled. None of those types of activities are proposed. So therefore, no Army Corps of Engineer permit is required and no delineation of those wetlands are required. Um, this is not a permit. It is a planned unit development. The PUD lays out the allowed uses after review and approval by Planning Commission and the Board of County Commission. So again, there is no permit that is issued. It is an allowed use through the, through the PUD that the state park has, and the state park uh, has the ability to allow those uses through a concessionaire however they want. So the requirements to be a concessionaire the county has no role in that whatsoever. That is solely up to the, to the state park. Uh, the letters, most of the letters that were submitted were submitted after the deadline for them to be included in the, in the staff packet that was distributed to the planning commission. This application will go to the board of county commissioners. The advertised date was April 18th. However, that is during spring break, and it will be at that April 18th hearing, it will get tabled to April 25th, the following Tuesday. A communication form will be prepared by staff, and that will be available, uh, I believe it is the Thursday before the, before the hearing. And all of the letters that were submitted after the staff packet went out and before this hearing will be included in that packet. And again, it will be available the, the week before the Board of County Commissioner hearing. Um, and then there was a question about whether this decision set the precedence. It does not. All applications are reviewed based on their individual circumstances and the um, and the operation that is proposed. So just because a snowmobile operation is allowed at the state park doesn't mean that any other snowmobile operation or razor or ATV UTV operation would be approved anywhere else in, in North Route. Um, and so we did, I did take note of the request of additional conditions to be placed on there um, for a firm date for when the structures will be removed and the number of tours and clients that are allowed to go on a tour. Uh, those are typical conditions that Planning Commission and the board have placed on uh, on snowmobile operations. So it's, um, it's not unheard of to to place those restrictions on, uh, on a, an approved use. 
And that's all I have for now. Could you, um, well, I guess this is probably, what are, what are the questions that surfaced? And I, and I don't know if the member of the public was just having fun with us or what, but the question surfaced, one, who's really the applicant? So and, then, and two is how does one go about becoming a concessionaire? Now I think the second question is a Ryan question. The first question is the honestly, applicant is the state parks. That's what I thought. It is not it says that. Right. Ryan, you want to respond to the how do you become a concessionaire? Uh, we have a permitting process through the state system, so it's park specific. So if you want to be a concessionaire. You have to come in and talk to our park manager, Julie Arrington, to handle those and treat them based on what each for you know each one. We don't have a standard way of treating a concessionaire application. We have a standard set of paperwork, but we treat each request based on the merits of that decision. Request so fishermen, nice fishing guys, supply fishing guys. The marina rentals and the automobile concessionaires all kind of go through the same general process. Thank you. Um, and while you're there, I have it in my notes because this surfaced as a question. Uh, did you not say that the tours are guided? They are this year. They're guided this year. We had done unguided tours in the past. Okay. But I think you expanded on that a bit more. <laughs> Um, like he doesn't want to deal with anything but guided. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, while I'm looking, staff questions. Jim, go. A question more for the park. Can individuals take their own snowmobiles up there and operate from the present base on these trails? On the, the Quayley easement, the yeah. main trail? Yeah. Yes, they would not be allowed to operate on that one I'm proposing. Okay. The connector trail, they would not be allowed to operate on that. But yeah, the public can go up there. Part of our wrapping on speak and redoing the trail system there was, I end up buying these giant signs that said snowmobile parking on the park to park and camp there um, to help alleviate some of the camping. So the, the relocation of this of this space is to accommodate the commercial operation under the concessionaire. It's to help him out, but it's really but it helps the public as well. It helps the public and us because we now we're to help alleviate parking on 550 and at the time the quarry right at Columbine. We put a bunch of signs saying come park at the park. Well, now I don't have room to park people with parks. So my you know snowmobile trailer takes up a lot of room. So now I'm losing space to put people who are that going there to ice fish and people that are going there to snowshoe and people that are going to ski. So remember the public can park right next to where the concession area is now and ride on the same trail to them and around the lake, boat grass, the pool barn, and then up on the quick. Sort of follow-up to that is. So if this gate goes in and the concessionaire gets to have his structure there for part of the year and place in front of his snowmobiles, how does the public then access uh, the cleaning trail? 
so the, that's farther up the road. So the, the public still has to either go from the roadhouse or Hunt Peak Village, well, I guess, sorry, the outpost, or Hunt Peak Village, or from the marina and still come around on the trail system. It's in a different spot, like a, a half mile south. And that's how they access the Whaley, that's just the concessionaires, customers who are booked only. They're not drive-in kind of, here's a giant banner, we're going to pull in and rent something. Eat only pre-booked and oftentimes transports them up with his own van. Um, they would be the only ones using that spot. And so at this and, time, he doesn't have access through the current gate that we see in that one. No. Nobody, no, it no. isn't as people can go in and out of there now. This would be as far as snowmobile. Limited use to the concessionaire. The other people who are snowmobiling up there that are the public all have the same access they would have had all this year. Years yeah. before. Okay. Not supposed to change that at all. Okay. Ryan. Could you point out on the map where that crossing of 129 is? Yeah. So this is the visitor center. Yep. And right here, and it kind of goes right into these willows a little bit. Hard to see on this one, but there's the road that comes in and it loops through these willows on this on this more northwestern side of the ponds. So it comes in right. Oh, it comes in right here. Sorry, right here, and then goes in right there, and then kind of follows the boundary um, that way. And then where we're talking about this entrance is yes, point way right up there. there. The difference is yeah, yep. is that. Jim, a question on the Coquitlam Cabin because uh, this application calls for it's expanding its use in the summer. Yeah, what use is it now put in during the summer? Absolutely nothing. They keep rattling or not rats, mice dry. Okay. <laughs> Somewhat. Right. So that, that that would be an expansion of the PUD authorized use to expand use in the summer. Yeah, yeah. It, it basically we use the, the road there a little bit right. for some educational stuff, but we don't use the cabin out. Okay, thank you. Bill. Um this might be a question for Ryan too, but if staff could orient me into what was mentioned in a couple of our letters. I'm lost as to where Lucky Camp is and where Poverty Bar Trail is and how they would be affected by this new, does that make sense? All right, so I believe this is the Poverty Bar Trail. Yeah. 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 And where are you? This, oh, I see. The, the highlighted parcel. And then Lucky Camp are all of these parcels to the, to the west of it. And, and the new trail would and the new trail is up here so the new parking area would be right here with the new trail that comes over here to connect into the existing and then this parcel right here is owned by the blm the gis you can pull that up now it is extremely helpful to these discussions it's what alan's using right now uh -huh. you can find parcel information size <laughs> he's lobbying for these things yeah, but, <laughs> I haven't got that part. Yeah, brand new toys. <laughs> but they have great uses. Thank you. You can tell he's higher than us. Uh, Alan, <laughs> do you have a list of the adjacent landowners that were notified? Can we? Can I check them off real quick with you? I'm on the screen. 
I, can I comment? Sure. On the, clearly, a lot of them got it because we heard back from them. Right. Um, I'm empathetic with people who didn't get it, but um, if you haven't noticed, the post office has been a mess for the last few months or longer, and they were having horrible delays backing up two months where some areas weren't getting any mail at all for four and five days. And that's why we have other methods that we have other use that are required yeah. by state statute. So as, as the chair pointed out, everybody was notified as per requirement. And if you have a timeline, those notifications too. So so real quick, I have I, I saw Ortiz. Hmm? I'm going through names just real quickly of adjacent property land because again the, the people who re, who receive notifications are the adjacent property landowner touching that that it is the physical boundary that touches yeah. ortiz is one of the very small little parcels that's inset kind of above the blm there's ortiz leister jkd which is some type of corporation and metcalf those are all adjacent property owners to the east according to the current GIS information. To the west, there's Daniels. And um, again, to the east is the DLM. The, those were the true touching adjacent property landowners. I think that I can find out. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, is it my state yeah. wrong? Okay. Because again, there's just these small little parcels that might be somewhat. How's it been as Metcalf? 1375 Metcalf Ave. Okay, thank you. Yep. I have Ortiz Colleen A from Eagle, Colorado. Parcel number 912203002. It is a 0.2 acre lot. It's an outlier up there. Really? Eddie, 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 where are you going with this? So I'm just curious. Well, I just, uh, there was uh, some comments from the uh, the public about improper notification. I want to just do some due diligence on that again using the tools that you've generously provided. We're going to take it away. Yeah, right. I, I can easily touch these, you know, and like uh, Lowry and Leicester, the next small little parcel immediately to the south of the previous one I was just describing. There's another weird little one in there. That's the one for Houseman. So the previous two. Our GIS produces the list for us for yeah. adjacent property owners, right. and we go by that. Yeah. And you actually just refer to staff on this. Right. Okay. Again, I'm just yeah. trying to do due diligence to make sure that, that that's being covered. But that's really yeah. staff's problem, isn't that's it? Staff's job. Yeah. Um, where are they going? It looks question. like we, we did miss the 0.2 acre one. Sure, it's possible. And okay. the one that goes just in that northeast corner, which is the uh, other 0.2 acre, it looks like. Yeah, weird little parcels up there. Thanks for looking. Yeah. Mr. Chairman, I'm simply cut off for coming. Yeah. I did commend staff, though, because as you said, this was actually qualified for administrative adjustment. That is correct. And in your judgment, you determined that there were sensitive issues that were appropriate for public notification and public discussion. And therefore, you purposely raised it to the next level to require these notifications. Sure. And the so I think the staff's done a good job of looking after the public interest in that regard because you could have just said, right. that will make the decision in the back office yeah. and 
tell you what we did. Yep. yep. The notice notification timeline, the adjacent note landowner notice goes out first, and that was done on December 15th. Right. Um, and that triggers the internal review process um, that you know, it's the external agency reviews and any landowner questions, and then just working to ensure that the application is complete and as thorough as we can. Um, and then a sign is posted. That sign was delivered to the site on January 20th. Then a legal ad is published once that back and forth is is complete. Um, and that was published on March 6th, as well as the notice of a public hearing um, to the adjacent landowners. I believe we received communication from you guys in early February regarding your client and notification. And based on your list, I think you know I noticed some names on there that are directly not adjacent that you included. Yeah, as well. Go another way. Okay. So Paul? I commend the Paul. Thank you. So a lot of this conversation is related to something that happened 20 years ago. And I'm curious on on how Ryan mentioned there would be some cabins on that parcel as well. And what is the what is the uh, full build out look like on this parcel today? You know, uh, we're, I'm not I'm not really sure. I know that cabins are approved, but I don't know how many. But the parcel is going to change again, possibly, yes. likely. Yes. But the answer to your question, there are no cabins. Well, other than the one old one. That's yes. right. I'm just backing up 20 years, looking right. forward 20 years from today. Yeah. Because the state moves more slowly than we do. Um, the county is only so much faster than the state, I assume. <laughs> um, that um, this parcel from a long time ago, even some of the residents here tonight were around at that time. And um, I'm bummed that they didn't hear about this sooner, of course, because they would possibly have thought through today. And I just wanted to understand where the full uh, scope of this, and I'm um, going to stop right there because I'm going to start pontificating. Don't do that, please. Thank you. Um, we haven't reached round table yet. No, yeah, I'm gonna no. Try. I'll keep it short. We're getting there. I'll keep it as short as you do. <laughs> uh, I, so, Alan, we have how much time is between this evening and when is the county commissioners? April yeah. 25th. Two weeks. About two weeks? Uh, uh, three. A little more. Yeah, a little more. Three. Um, this is kind of a question for Ryan and maybe staff. Department of DPW, the wildlife people, they reviewed this? Yes. And then they would be involved throughout the process. I guess what I'm trying to figure out, does it make any sense for you and them? And I'm going to do this wrong. The crane lady, I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> to maybe have a sit down between now and then, because I'm sensing there's, I don't know if there's some con conflict in, in terms of facts or what's going on here, but it would seem to me that there's room for you I think that I think there's room for you to move around from an end date, as, as the young lady said. It's not the snowmobiling issue, it's the removal of the equipment issue. And I know that you delay it because the concessionaire is going to deal with all kinds of snow and he's not going to move that stuff when it's muddy and ugly. And there's, yeah, I got that part. 
can it be moved later? I don't know. I'm, but I'm thinking that that might be an area that someone could focus on. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. A like facilities removal plan earlier. Oh, geez. Really? <laughs> I'm just thinking there's time between now and then that perhaps a sit down would be in order. I don't know that I can mandate that. I guess we could. You can make a strong recommendation. There you go. I like strong recommendations. Um, table, table, table the decision. That's our other option. We'll get to the round table part of that part. Okay. Any other questions for staff or Ryan? I do want to, so Paul, to answer your question, the approval is for two rental habits. Okay. Thank you. I was thinking about that. Just that's called baptism by fire. So, are there two issues that I'm looking for input on? Are we on roundtable? Yes, we are. Thank you. Is that all right? So, no, absolutely. Good. I was just kind of clarifying where I can speak. Yeah, that's where we're going. Well, how I can speak. Uh, <laughs> this group can pretty much speak anytime they want, and they do. You know that. Um, I'd like your comments on the 25 mile an hour limit is one. I'd be interested in your comments. The other item for discussion that we had here was are snow berms significant to mitigate whatever visual impacts there could be? Um, so feel free to spout off so the 25 mile an hour limit um, i think there were compelling arguments against uh removing that limit um of course nuisance noise nuisance sure and for safety reasons i think that opens up to all sorts of uh problems i think the uh, firm limit i think there's a whole lot of unknowns there i think it was the compelling argument brought up about the uh, 400 inches of snow could be one year, it could be 200 a year later. And the height of those burns um, could be problematic to the ground underneath, um, depending on the proficiency of the stone mover. Uh, I think those are compelling arguments to, uh, to consider. I'm going to do something that's not very nice. I'm going to throw a third one at you. Okay. But everybody gets the same treatment. Um, Alan just mentioned perhaps tabling. Um, I've heard, we've heard um, a number of comments, several, two or three, particularly at the onset, that talked about perhaps having a bit more time to spend some time um, with Ryan and his folks to see if there aren't alternatives or a better plan. I guess I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are. Uh, I, mean, yeah, I think uh, that's one of, my, one of the first questions that I, I kind of have here. Um, What's the level of urgency going into this without really considering other alternatives? You know, alternative one is do nothing, keep everything the same. Alternative two is look at one or two, maybe three other sites or possibilities. And I heard a couple mentioned that uh, uh, really haven't been looked at, but you know, we were potential thoughts. You know, some areas in other locations in the region. Um, I think there's plenty of opportunity to put the brakes on for a while and let more of the community have a say and um, exploring some other alternatives. 
I think there is legitimate concern about uh, you know, what uh, you know, looking more deeply at what the impact is going to be on the crane population of the wildlife population out there. Um, I just don't think I don't see the level of urgency rushing into this right away. So if I my notes then will reflect you, you're saying leave the 25 mile an hour in place. The snow burner is okay, and maybe tabling it is fine. Yeah, table is fine. I don't, I don't know if the snow is okay or not. I... Snow burn. Unknown, I think is what he said. Yeah. I'm sorry? Unknown. Oh, it's an unknown. Yeah. Sorry. Mr. Chair? Yes, sir. So if I could, well, I think I fundamentally support Pete. What I'm reading here is that the, the key issues that we're addressing, and we're addressing a PUD, which is essentially a zoning issue. We don't deal with enforcement and regulations and policing of people getting off trails and Parking issues, that's not our authority, uh, and, and uh, we can we can deal with it. What I'm seeing is that the, the key requests are widening the access road from 129, expanding the existing parking, erecting a temporary building in this new location, emphasis on the word temporary, installing a seasonal toilet, I emphasize seasonal, uh, the issue of the 25 mile an hour speed limit, um, the requirement of the eight foot berm, which we just talked about and Pete just talked about. But then there was this issue of the year-round use of the cabin and the concerns by the crane coalition. But I'm going to go back to what was brought up here, which is when this all was put in place in 2004, there was a multi-party dialogue to address these issues at that time. And it was from that multi-party dialogue that the existing PUD evolved. Yes. And some of the changes that are proposed here uh, have uh, raise legitimate concern because they're not in compliance with what the original concepts were. Uh, but it seems that some of these can be resolved. As been pointed out here, there might be some other alternatives that can be addressed with parks uh, with some reflection and some input from other sources. This issue of the grains, I think, is quite legitimate. Uh, they are seasonal and they're valued as a... As a tier one. Uh, tier one and they're valued as a as a resource in the community, and they, they draw tourists, and and uh, it's important. And uh, there doesn't seem to be a need to rush to judgment. And so the suggestion that that this be postponed for eight weeks, why the interested parties, plural, lots of parties, go back to where you started, reconvene and see how you can come to a consensus on making any adjustments that exist in the community. So that's my, that'd be my. Let me cut this a bit short. Am I sensing from all the commissioners that perhaps a tabling is in order? It's worth consideration, I would say, as our primary move to put it in the front of the line, just because the collaborative nature of what's occurred up there has garnered results. Um, if there was a motion made to table, uh, it has to be made with a date. Just keep that in mind. I understand that part. About making a motion. Okay, I'm just checking your temperature right now. I would I would support a tabling. Okay. Linda. I would too. Bill. So, so would I. Bill. Okay. Paul. Oh. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, I'm I'm fine with going with the group. Uh I have a bigger question. You're fine. I'm sorry. With going with the group. Yeah. Um Keep in mind that to the best of my knowledge, um, CPW, the, the parks people are here, I'll use the word voluntarily, 
and are here because they want to work with the county, shall we say. However, I don't know that they need to. So I'm going to put Mr. I'm putting Ryan on the spot. Um, do you have an interest in meeting with the people to see if there are solutions to some of the issues that are raised here? Some of them, there are no solutions. I'm aware of that. I think we all are. But I guess I'm putting on you because there's no point in us tabling if, if, if Ryan says, no, I'm just moving on. So I guess that's my question to you, Ryan. No, I don't have a deal to run in there right now. Okay, fine. <laughs> no, and I didn't mean I'm not I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but you understand my position or my point. It's yeah, like, I, yeah. And we are not trying to bulldoze something through. Um, you know, we're trying to hide it from No, yeah, and you said that on more than one occasion, which I appreciate and I think is accurate. Um, yeah, we're willing to work. I'd rather not table it for forever and drive this out until. You know, it gets into being next November, and I'm trying to stuff a guy in there in another time or something like that. But I would be happy to work with some folks on some of these issues, and we can talk through some stuff. I think some concerns were alleviated with some conversations that were had prior to this meeting. Sure. Uh, you meet up there, and folks contact you directly. But yeah, I mean. I'm happy to Good. Thank you. Contact and work with folks if they want. Thank you. Sure, I would uh, I would move that the uh, application be tabled until a date certain of June 8th, which is approximately 60 days from now, with the encouragement of all the requisite from interested parties to coordinate through the Parks Department and have some meetings and see if we can come back with some agreed consensus as we reconsider at that point. That's my motion. The motion is to table until June. Jim, could we do the first or the fifteenth, one of the normal planning commission hearing dates? Uh, oh yes, that's good. Idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not coming here on another day. <laughs> I think June one is a good date. Yeah, June one's a good date. Thank you. So, uh, whatever. There was a motion that wasn't seconded. Big. discussion. Andy, oh, come on, he can amend his motion. Yeah, I can. We need to give me a second. Okay. Is there a second? I will. Thank you, Bill. Discussion on the motion. Hearing none. This matter is tabled until June first. Date is certain. And Ryan, I appreciate whatever you can do to work through this. All those. And I, you know, some. Well, I don't know. Do you have all the contact information that you need? Perfect. That table right there, so I'm not getting into work bill. Thank you. I would rather just meet with people individually and have them be installed by a group. <laughs> I can totally appreciate that approach. <laughs> and I just want to clarify it's the same time, same place. Yes. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. You are all more than welcome to stay for. Administrative stuff.
but I wouldn't encourage it. I think in this particular set of so I apologize if I if I'm in consider I actually appreciate sometimes some of that stuff because it sends a message out. Yeah. Uh, that's true. Yeah, I'm not interested in trying to these books. They were fucking things made. Let's try. The only thing that was going to change the way that it was moving on the business. And I still want to And personally, I want that you to cut the thirty dollars. I understand what that means. And thirty-five cents, big deal thing. It's only going to be you, is it? And it's the fucking. Well, it is. It is because it's like a Oh right, but the we no, we don't. A state's going to come in and change everything. Yeah, all we're doing is giving them a chance to vent with the state, and they need. That's it, right there. Yeah. yeah. And I really liked my cousin. I'm worried to the rest of the industry. So I'm like, we're good. <laughs> and I really appreciate everyone's comments. I do too. Everybody. I was not. And actually, I try. I go to these with open minds. I wasn't prepared for the tier one race. That one's for me. I saw that in there. I didn't know what it meant. I saw that too. But the pharmacy engineer said okay, and then from the wildlife biologist said okay. That's the thing that you So I'm just like, yeah, If you're going to stay, excuse me, if you're going to stay, stay. If you're not, Thanks, Ryan. Oh, we're going to take Next Christy, you're up. Okay. Administrative report. Yes. Um, so we have a couple of items to go for administrators' reports, um, but I'll start with. Um, just going to read from the regs regarding mailed notice for all of us for next time. And Andy, let's not do that again, please. <laughs> yeah, because the first thing you did. <laughs> No, we didn't need to go down that rabbit hole because for everybody's benefit, I'm just going to read you here what the regulations actually say regarding mail notice. So um, the last 
portion of it. So it says a letter shall be sent to um, adjacent property owners, um, but it says failure of a property owner to receive a mail notice will not necessitate the delay of a hearing and shall not be regarded as constituting inadequate notice. And that's because we also post the property with the bright yellow signs we've all seen right. now, and it's also advertised in the paper. Well, and also, we have mail delivery issues. We Correct. people have their address with the assessor at this location, but they live in this location over yeah. here. And so, like, there are multiple different ways that an adjacent property owner may not receive that notice. And we didn't want that uh, the failure of the mail system or they were on vacation for six months to slow down the process. Well, and it sounds like it can't. Yeah, they can't. No, but I think the whole point is. No. I think so, you guys were going to come and swoop it in and be like champions, like, got them all. Sometimes. Yeah. You probably don't ever want to challenge the accuracy of staff. Oh. <laughs> it, it's also. Um, cookies, what? <laughs> You know, it's just good for us all to know, but we all have been doing this a long time, and that is the first thing you'll hear from the public. Yeah, I wasn't notified. No, that's what they always say, right? Yeah. I mean, you're going to hear that all the time, but yeah. just you know, it's always a good reminder that you know that doesn't constitute you know delay of the application because right. somebody didn't receive notice. And you know, every um, municipality, county, jurisdiction does it differently as respect to we do it by adjacent property owners. Some other places do it by vicinity, two hundred feet right. or something like that. Um, but you always have those three methods of notification. And since we changed our process, they get notified when we received this application in, in December. So notification goes out, hey, we received an application. If you have questions, contact us. Then they get a follow-up of when the actual meeting will be. And that's two weeks prior to. So there's two steps of a mail notification and then the other um, methods that we, um, that we typically see. Do we, then, do we want to add a disclaimer at the onset to cut that nonsense off? Well, you you in your well, I know, but what I didn't say is that the failure of not receiving it is the basis for that. I and that's why I said, do we want to know a disclaimer? Well, I like that. We'll, we'll update your little cheat sheet, but I'm sure you're already on it. I will. <laughs> and then I add on the end of properly noticed. Yeah, yeah, that was perfect. I had perfect. Yeah. And then the sign is also posted when that initial letter goes out. So, like I said. It was dropped, the sign was dropped off at the end of January. And right. here we are at the beginning of April. And that sign has been up there the entire time. We've got pictures from March 8th where it was still visible. So it's not buried under snow. I mean, it thinking. was partially buried, but it was still visible enough to be like, whoa, what was that? Right. Okay. I'm just like appalled. Like I had a very long conversation with Miss Lovejoy uh, yesterday and sent her a thorough email of timelines of communications. And she emailed back and was like, thank you so much for clarifying. And then tonight she's like, I didn't hear of anything. And why uh, you didn't I, I, they all do that. You'll get used to that. 
Sally, be, Sally, be comfortable knowing that the commissioners are all aware of that and we have more faith in you than them. So it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's okay. sometimes tough, you know, when they're attacking you all, us staff too. Oh, yeah. It happens. It's part of, you know, the goes with the territory. It's yeah. hard to be in the black beard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we feed you support you. So they can attack us all they want. It has no impact on us, but it has to be harder on you guys because it's a challenge to your professional. It's tricky, I felt, because we really don't have the jurisdictional authority, right? And so the information that was submitted, it was tough to push back and say, yeah, this needs to be more thorough, because then he would respond and say, no, I have to. those details right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like, okay. That's I don't know that that's 100% so... true, is it? Yes. Yeah. Where they're, they are sovereign as as They are they're voluntarily, and they're submitting an application, and there are, like, submittal requirements for right. voluntary applications. Right. We will have additional details on this particular aspect of it at the next, at this next hearing. Yeah. 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 The only question there is there's a code it's section like 30 28 and county planning act codifies like special jurisdictions for people like the state um this is like a voluntary process for them but you know there's a question about that because it's actually owned by the state land board the property is we, we held the forest service accountable when they came and presented a oil well it's not uncommon they still go through the process in the end, they can declare their sovereignty and do whatever they want. Right. We encourage them to come through the process together. So that that really gets to the heart of overuse and increased usage requires additional facilities to manage them. Like it's just a, an unfortunate byproduct. Um, one of the things that we heard from county uh, wildlife forest service parks is that all of their all of their facilities are under size they can let it use but but this one is not like that they're just taking the A to B that's the problem next up like private users so it's not saying that this concessionaire is going to have more use yeah no I yeah, right yeah. You still love it. He has a standard set of use. Like, we know yeah. how many cars are going to be there, how many trailers, oh, yeah. how many Do they have to yeah. That's a lot different than the no. you know, concessionaire does not. Uh, yes, no. yes, yeah, totally. It's covered by the Same thing on stage. And I mean, all in all, I think it was good to table it because I think that they can organize their presentation and, you know, speak with the public and be a good neighbor and come back and there's some things on our end that we want to um, look into and better present. And I, my sense is, as I mentioned to Paul on the side, I always think some of our responsibilities include making sure the taxpayers and our neighbors are somewhat appeased, mm -hmm. even if they don't like the end result. And we, At least they feel as though they've gotten... Yes, thank yeah. you. I think that they'll, in speaking with Ryan and going through that process that they're asking for, they'll probably be happier with the outcome with the. Because they participated the in it. Yeah. 
than they are with the current outcome where they're crossing right in front of Ponsby Field. Yeah, and and we see this all the time. We saw this with the historic property when um uh actually no, you guys didn't see that. I don't know what you're talking about. No. That, that went before the Board of County Commissioners. But that was, no, it was the Board of County Commissioners. Oh. Um, but we had a whole community come out um, for this application, but a lot of it was misinformation. That's the part of the problem. And and that's kind of what you saw here also. Right, right. Um, so this will give more time to have those uh, discussions um, and come back. Yeah. And, and it's our stance that we hold everybody to the same level, whether you're the state government, whether you're the county government, whether you're a private developer, right. we're going to look at this application and review it against regulations with our, with our blinders on. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are, we're going to review it with the same level. And, and that's what I think the public expects. Yeah, and that's that's a good segue to is it our next hearing? Uh, <laughs> so a good segue. So our next meeting is scheduled on the twentieth. On for the twentieth, and yeah. that is the Oak Creek County shop. No, no, no. That's not scheduled yet. Uh, well, you're going to be seeing that, okay? It's coming <laughs> up. <laughs> so we actually haven't scheduled that yet. Is there a meeting on the twentieth? That's how it's a no, if, if y'all weren't tired of snowmobiles. Oh, I see the segue you're going. Yeah. <laughs> okay. On April 20th, there will be a permit review for Thunderstruck. Oh, really? Uh, we have been inundated with complaints. Headaches so the entire winter with them. Oh, yeah. We'll have conversations and they'll say, oh, we're doing this. It's like, excuse me, you're doing what? You know that's not your permit. Well, the city, blah, blah, blah. All right. So we got an incomplete application today. Today was the deadline. <laughs> it was incomplete. And they said they're operating on more land than what their permit allows. They don't know what a permit is. You just go into it with that as in permission. Yeah. So well, you guys will have fun. I'm going to be on the back deck. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because it's going to be a permit review and enforcement yeah, yeah. hearing and not an amendment. And not an amendment to the permit. Yeah. Because it's review and enforcement, then it doesn't matter what they're against. Like the okay. Yeah, okay. Interesting. So that will be the 20th. So that will be a, that'll be a good one. That'll be a good one. Um, yeah, I and then where I was, we, we were on different, uh, yes, they're both connected. I was uh, going to say we don't have it scheduled yet, but you will be um, reviewing a site plan review, a change of zone, and a lot line adjustment. What that consolidation. consolidation for the Oak Creek County shop. So, just an example oh, that Oak Creek is not a county. It's the Rock County. No, shop. no, it's the Rock County. 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 Rock County shop located. Yeah. I, just, county. I just wanted you to know I was paying attention. Yeah. So public works yeah. is coming through our process. And again, as Alan saying, we hold ourselves to the higher standard and, you know, they're going to be coming. Do back. they need to do that? Um, <laughs> they, they, one can argue that they don't. But I mean, isn't that somewhat are. similar to here? Um, yeah, yeah, sort of, yes, I mean, so the, the statute says that a political subdivision can it's required when a community has an adopted master plan, the political subdivision has to go to planning commission 
for review against the, the master plan and the regulations. Oh. If in the, in any political subdivision, so we're talking about school okay. districts, fire districts, state parks, um, yeah. metro districts, all of those. Yep. And if there is a denial, then it would go to the Board of County Commissioners who could overturn it. If that's denied, if they hold up that denial, then the board of that political subdivision can overturn the Board of County Commissioners decision oh, okay. and say, oh, thanks, but no thanks. thanks. Yeah. And so that's the issue that we were dealing with here tonight. But the fact that it is on state land board land was what raised some issues. Is it because it's not state parks land? Yeah, it's not state park land. So is it the the entity that is applying for the development, um, or is it is it based on the entity that's applying, or is it based on the landowner? But it's fixable either way. So that's what the county know, attorney is going to be looking at. You into. know what the lease terms are on that property? Is it like, um, like probably forever? Lease, like, to the state plan. Yeah, I'm just curious because it just seems like, well, what if they don't want to do the lease? Sure. Christy, didn't uh, the county come through with a site plan not too long ago on that route county um, facility, Baranone Creek? Uh, 2016. Yeah. 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Gone to it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was added, right? <laughs> so, um, along with our um, upcoming schedule, then on the 27th, well, we have a couple things coming up actually. Let me just back up. Um, the 26th, is that the total? Um, so April 26th is a Wednesday. Um, you should have received an email about the solar conference that um, we are organizing with COSA, um, who came and presented to you all about um, large-scale solar. Um, so um, the it's an all-day event. Um, the morning sessions are invite only. You all received an invite, and those invites went to involved interested agencies um, who would likely be reviewing and commenting on and need to be informed about large-scale solar possibly coming in um, that you will all be um, part of that process. Um, evaluating those applications, but you're also going to be part of creating the regulations for large-scale solar. So we really encourage you to um, participate in that um, in that meeting. If you can't be there, we are going to try to record it and have it available. Um, like Steve, I know you're going to be nice. out of town. Um, and then the later sessions from four o'clock on, we're gonna be moving from the Haven. The, the first part of the day will be at the Haven in Hayden. Um, and then we're gonna be moving over to the library and it's gonna be more of a pop-up style um, event where there'll be um, tables set up where people can, in, the public will be able to come and you can talk directly to um, the industry. COSA themselves will have a table about our regulation update process, how to get involved, 
Our consultants will be there. They'll have a table about um, our process as well. We'll highlight solar and what that looks like. Get involved with the regulation update. CPW will have a table. Uh, so CPW is going to be there. So these these four bullets are the topics of the sessions during the the daytime uh, <clears throat> daytime portion of it. Um, and it's going to be, uh, I think these first, the first and the third one are going to be uh, presentations uh, from uh, the people on the panel and then followed up with a Q&A session. And then the sessions two and four are, is going to be a, a moderated panel. And so we do have some uh locals locals that are going to be on these sessions so that they can provide a, a local land use lens to to some of these sure. issues that we're going to have makes sense so that is wednesday and our consultants will be in town for that and we have a packed schedule for wednesday thursday friday to make the most of their time while they're here um, really from a dollar standpoint. Uh, and, um, so the following day, we're going to have our first technical working group with our consultants on the reg update process. And um, that will be during the day led by our consultants. And that was similar to PAC, the Technical Advisory right. Committee for yep. the Master Plan to help yep. inform the regulations. Um, and then that night will be our first joint session with the Board of County Commissioners and you all with the um, with design workshop. And they are going to present their analysis of our code, what's, um, their, what their recommendations for us are, as well as hear directly from you all what's working, what's not. Um, so it will be a, a Q&A also. And then Friday, we're going to have our first small focused group um, with the development community. Um, and that will be on Friday, again, led by Design Workshop and, and similar format, you know, really um, understanding what's not um, on that. And all that feedback is going to be presented all back to you and the Board of County Commissioners as we go through the process to help build. Um, uh, build the regulations. So, um, are you satisfied with the progress so far with them? Yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go. Oh, okay. Um, Great minds, Alan. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, we've had a very good experience with design workshops so far. They've been very responsive to everything that we've asked for. Um, they've been doing stuff in the background. So while we're uh, setting up the like the outreach program and these different focus groups and everything they've been in the background reading through our code and putting together a document uh, that just goes over their recommendations and things that um, could be changed and we actually got that document yesterday so we're going to review on time that. yeah on time. whoa and so is, is that also going to be in like the sections that we're dealing with first like just those sections or is that the, the whole thing it, yeah it's their whole wow. their whole analysis and it also includes responses to what we've been talking to them about from our experiences and things that we're recommending um along with if you remember we put together um 
uh, housekeeping list. We, uh, it's 40 items. I got it in here somewhere. Yeah. And compliments of Ellen. And so in addition to just everything, their, their job is to evaluate our entire code, right? But we supplied them with a supplemental list, if you will, of um, items to highlight, of things that have come up over time. Um, and so they responded to a lot of that also. So, um, you know, as of right now, we're really happy with Design Workshop. And, you know, they, like I said, they've been great in response to very professional or uber organized. Uh, they have a good team. Good. So, so, Christy, I, I missed the date from that. Like, what's that first meeting? That's the 26th. Been, that's the 26th. That's, that's solar. Solar. That's the solar one. It's on the 26th. Correct. But then the joint meeting. The joint meeting. That okay, I got yeah, they're on a row. One, two, three. Yep. Yeah, that's just that Thursday. That's a special meeting for planning commission, right? Yeah. And, and the board. Yeah. Yeah. But it's at the same time as normal yeah. planning commission meeting? Correct. Okay. So, uh, go ahead. Is this kind of paving the way for replacing coal power? Um, when you say large scale solar, I don't have a way to Okay, yeah. That makes sense. Sorry, um, that would be a dumb question. Yeah, no, no, it's not. No, it's not. Um, you know, Alan, I'll let you. Uh, so he's, he's our taking lead on. You can thank him for writing the reds. <laughs> They're not written yet. Um, so with the, the the pending closing of the Hayden Station and the Craig Station, uh, and all of the transmission lines that cross route Mocko County. The, the closing is going to open up a lot of available capacity in those transmission lines. So that's why we've been getting interest in large scale solar because um, that's you need to get get it somewhere. And so because we have the capacity in the transmission lines, Rob County is seeing that interest. So it's is it look, being looked at as an alternative to other options? I mean, we've heard that Excel has filed with the PUC to change over the generation of those facilities from coal to, I think one would go to biomass, or that's what they're talking about, biomass, and then the other one would be a molten salt, yeah. which is basically a battery. And so what, I mean, we haven't heard this, been told this, but what, I, what I'm expecting is that uh, the solar panels would create the energy that would go directly to the heat station, which would be used to heat up those molten salts. And then when they need the electricity to be generated, that's when they go and splash the water on the molten salts, which create the steam turbines and so on. So thermal the main is, is the network of transmission lines, though, because that makes that site so attractive. Yeah, and because we're getting interest, we've been you know talking with um, the industry, um, and they're very interested around county. They call it their Goldilocks site. This is you know definitely where they want to be, um, and our existing regulations aren't really where they need to be to process an application of that magnitude. We're talking about four thousand acres um, about you know give or take and multiple companies looking to be interested in west route um really kind of south of the airport um and and i guess east of the airport near the payment station so um we have talked with our consultants about prioritizing that section of the code first um because 
they're knocking on our door. They they want to submit like yesterday, um, and they've been holding off. They've been very time. patient. Yes, they've been um, very patient for us to have regulations in place in order to um, really process and evaluate these applications. And, and maybe you should explain to Peter. This is really phase two of a two phase process. The first was the master plan. Yeah. Now keep on going. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So the master plan, we talked about this the other day, was adopted back in August. Um, but this is where really, you know, the nuts and bolts happened, you know. And so we were pretty much, we have our marching orders and our master plan through all the policies that were adopted. And to implement those is through our regulations and having regulations that align with those policies. So it's so, a rewrite. Yeah. So we do environmental impact statements. Generated, or is this way before that would happen? Uh, for, for something like this, um, we don't do environmental impact statements. Well, I know we don't, but I'm just curious when those would start being initiated. Yeah, um, I mean, on their end, I mean, they have done all of their studies. We haven't seen them, nothing's been formally submitted to us. Once it becomes submitted. Once it becomes submitted, it goes to CPW yeah. and goes to the referral agencies. Yeah. I'm sorry, what was that? Once, once it actually gets submitted, then it goes to our referral agencies who are our professionals that provide us with the input that we're looking for. Uh, CBW talks about wildlife impacts, uh, the Route County uh, environmental chime in on what their impacts are. So yeah, road and bridge. So they all get referral and then make comments back to us for consideration of that. And really like the long and short of what we are evaluating and what you are all deciding on are the potential offsite impacts. And are they so great that they can't be mitigated through some reasonable condition? Um, so there are there are definitely some uh, considerations. We have been working behind the scenes with um, you know other agencies like CPW um, as an example, just to find out you know what are the issues um, we should be looking at. Um, Alan's been doing a lot of work with working directly with COSA and looking at other um, communities um, who, who have like newer um, regulations and how they're working. Um, and so we have a draft set of regulations we already prepared and handed over to our consultants to review. So um, it's not like we're reinventing the wheel um, and we feel like we can meet these deadlines to do a rolling adoption of our regulations starting in July and highlighting this portion of the regulations along with our um, tier two growth areas and evaluating you know, design criteria and evaluation of um, zoning, perhaps new zoning for those areas. Um, so those would be the two priority areas because that's where we're feeling the most pressure right now. And then we would have an adoption later on this year. And if there needs to be tweaks and changes along the way, we can roll that in all together um, at the end. And this will all, you know, the plan, the plan of attack, if you will, will be explained at the joint meeting. Um, but, you know, so far we're happy with what they have uh, presented to us on, on this. Hmm. Any other? Sure, yeah. Um, and then let's see. 
we need to discuss appointing chair, vice chair. Um, I think we we didn't get too many people that emailed Sarah on this, and it's totally up to you if you want to do this now or if you guys want to think about it um, and email Sarah, and we can do it over email for next meeting. Currently, Steve. What were we supposed to email you? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Send out the email. I did. We usually make a motion. Yeah. And then it's it's happened every possible different way. Yes. <laughs> The last couple of times, people felt more comfortable, you know, not <laughs> shouting out who you would like. I'd like to keep it the same. Okay, there you I, go. I, I second like, that. I second okay. that motion. Hey, let's just do this motion. I got a motion in a second. Amen. Hey, oh. Ren, wondering where you were. <laughs> You've been cocktailing while we've been doing this. <laughs> it is East Coast time. Okay. Oh, there you go. It is later. So we're like, please. So we have a motion in a second. Who's going to second? Who calls the vote? Who calls the vote? Uh, I do. Never mind. Paula, Sarah, run the roll. I don't know. Um, okay. Oh. You got Ren. Raise your hands if you want to keep yeah. it the same. Where's your hand, Ren? The same chair. Brian is vice chair. Brian is vice chair. Yeah, we're done. Move on. Yeah. That was easy. Perfect. All right, moving on. Um, and then I also had um discussion about APCZ, which is the Area Plan Coordinating Committee. Oh. Um, and we need two volunteers. But that's just kind of a steamboat thing, right? More so, on this one or not? I fled from it after two meetings because. It, it what did not feel like a very inclusive area process for the county, uh, like, in my personal opinion. Yeah. So but, we also haven't met in like two years, um, but, but there is momentum happening. We scared everybody away, Andy. Um, but question: Can you describe the role of that committee? What is sure? It, it the the um, APCC was tasked to implement the Seabo Springs Area Community Plan, which is which is a jointly adopted plan. It's old, just like our master plan was, and it needs to be evaluated and um, and updated um so at this point um the both the city and the county have committed to updating this plan and we're looking to start doing that next year but we want to get back together with the committee who will help be a stakeholder and help drive that process so if i may wouldn't it make some sense if you've got someone that actually lives in steamboat to be on that committee? Steve, if you're not interested, just say it. <laughs> I'm not, but I think Peter is because he lives here. <laughs> That's where I was. That was really that, that, good. That was, that was he really wants good. to stay on planning. I'm, I'm, I'm not looking to say but I'm interested. Well, there you go. You're done. Well, you're. you're you need to. I did. You're within Peter the, the, the city. Consider the community. So, so the community boundary for the Steve Westerns area plan goes all the way down to 131. Where it turns right, right. Um, in the South Valley. So if you live in the South Valley, there you go. It goes out with the catamount. Does it go out to like Steamboat 2? No, it does. does. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I'm out of that But that's why Peter's oh. right for that. Yes. You were you're there. So, all right, we got Jim. So we got a Southern rep and we got a Western rep. And like, who else? Peter. Yeah. Are you sure? 
Pete, don't let them bully you into okay? It's not bullying, that's strongly suggesting that the <laughs> he has to say <laughs> you have to say yes. Uh, good. Okay. Um shall you see that as Christy? I Come think on. I will wrap this up for you all. Uh, and I think that is all I had. Um, does, does anybody have any questions about how to use our tablet? Yes, but yeah, right now. many, many hours. <laughs> <laughs> is yeah. there an instruction book? That yeah, no, we're going to defer to Michael and to Blake. Okay. Email them, set up a time. They'll walk you through it. They'll love it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. And on the side, you can go have a drink with Andy, and uh, he'll show you all about the GIS capabilities. Uh, I actually struggle with the Android. Take care. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Ren. Have fun. So I've been screwing up my swiping and moving stuff. Bye. So where am I going? I'm downloading Google Earth. I'm going to put um, I, sure, it's another great reference for. Like we don't have access to complete GIS mapping that the Google Earth maps. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I use GIS. GIS. It's, okay. it, it, I use it for my work every single day. I was using Onyx. I downloaded Onyx. So. And Onyx is a trans. All, all the private owners yeah. where the perimeters were. Yeah. The, that's what but, this shows, and then you can overlay zoning. Then you see, so it brings up zoning right on the map. Right, but right. Can I say, let me get them in this space. I got to go. So, why is it just stopping? I think it's. Oh, are you sure you want to stop? Yes.